Well, it is great to be back home, EVC, and it's great to be back with you uh, this morning. We discovered that uh, Pastor Bart loved Lao so much that he decided to bring a little bit of it home with him. And so yesterday morning as we talked, he said, dude, and I went, uh-oh, that's not good because I got what we call, are now calling affectionately, I might add, Lao Wow, okay? Uh, I got that the uh, about 24 hours before we were supposed to be on a plane for 25 hours. I picked this thing up, and uh, it is fever, chills, fever, chills, fever, chills. And we didn't have a thermometer, and so I didn't know what my fever was. Well, Bart called me yesterday, and he thought he had skated on the whole deal. First, John got it, and then I got it, and Bart thought, hey, I am home free. Got home, and yesterday morning, he called me and said, well, it caught up with me. I said, well, we basically know about 36 hours from now, you'll awaken from sleep after having slept for most of that, and you'll be okay. But as for Sunday, you, my friend, are out. So he goes, okay. So we are going to talk more about our trip a little bit more next week, but uh, just suffice to say that uh, we love Lao a lot. We brought some of it home with us. We left parts of ourselves there, and so we're just like, hey, this is a great, great place. But EVC, I want you to know, the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well in Lao. Amen? Can we give God a hand for that? That is, And that is what we wanted to sense. That is what we wanted to discover And today we're going to be talking about just what does God use in us to direct us to where he wants us to be as a church and gives us this whole idea of vision. And we went not knowing with just eyes wide open, looking for where God was at work and where we could join him in it. And we discovered a church in Laos that it is incredible and uncanny, the similarities And uh, it is an open church there in Laos. They're attached to another larger fellowship. And uh, it'll be a church that we will work with in the future. And we are just thrilled and pumped uh, to see what God is going to do. Laos is only one of only five remaining communist countries in our world. It is not open to the gospel, but the gospel is alive and well. It is in a persecuted environment for the church. And yet, God is growing the church in a rapid format. And Pastor Irwin is the pastor that we met there. And he said, you guys are hitting the ground here at just the right time for the kingdom. And isn't that like God, right? That God would use all of our passions and all the things that that God has placed in Bart and things that He's placed in me and things that God has placed us in this community and just set us there at just the right time for God to use us and use our skills and abilities and the things that EVC can leverage and bring to that country. Laos is a country of just between 6 and 7 million people. We did not have a clue, uh, even in some of the research that we had done, that it was that small of a country. It is a large landmass of country, but a small in population. Just to give you an idea, between Denton, Fort Worth, and Dallas, we have over 7 million people in our own area, and that is the whole population of Laos. God can use EVC to make a significant difference in that country. And we are going to be thrilled next week to share more of that with you. But Pastor Bart wanted to be a significant part of that. So I want him to be as well. So we're going to delay some of that. But I have to tell a little bit about the trip, about what... And on the way over, we discovered that in just one of the little travel things on the airplane, the last flight from Bangkok, Thailand to to Vinten, um, Laos... We discovered that there was an elephant festival. Now, what you may not know is Lao actually means land of a thousand elephants. The last Asian elephants are in this country. And there's about, I think, around 300. Well, 65 of them or so were on display at an elephant festival, which was up in some of the rural areas. And we determined, the three of us, we called ourselves the three amigos. We ended up calling ourselves a lot of things by the time that we were done with the trip. But John Burka is about 6'5", and I'm 6'3", and then there's... Pastor Bart, we considered him the uh, the representative of the American delegation to the smaller Lao people. Okay, that's what that's what we considered him. But we called ourselves many things, and my nickname became Lurch. 
but uh, John we called the Wookiee, okay? So uh, John was the Wookiee, and the Wookiee, as we, we all discovered, we're sitting there at different seats on the airplane, and we're reading about this elephant festival. We said, we have got to do everything we can, and we had no idea what it was going to take, and later we questioned our sanity as to whether we really wanted to go to the elephant festival, but we did. And so I want to share with you the picture of Pastor Bart on the elephant. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. So we got to experience the Lao Fest of the Lao Elephant Festival. We all got to ride elephants. And uh, so we'll share more of, of some of this stuff as we go along. But right before the trip, if you guys uh, were here the week before we left, you'll remember that I proved all the things that we're now discovering about the flu shot is accurate, that it's about 50% effective, okay? I had the flu shot in November, and my family is proof of this because 50% of my family got the flu after the flu shot. And we are overachievers in the Miller household to the extent that Allison and I even got different strains of the flu. She had type A, I had type B. And so uh, we discovered this, that we are high overachievers wanting to make sure that we prove all of things, these things accurate. But um, so I am discovering just what it takes to keep about 225 pounds upright as we uh, speak this morning um, because just kind of weakness right now, it feels like about midnight to me, to be perfectly honest with you. So we'll try to keep this as we move through. But today I want to share with you just an outlook and an understanding of vision. A couple of weeks ago, as we talked about this book of Proverbs, I shared with you kind of an outlook of how can we know something is God's will or God's way for us. And so Continuing kind of in that vein, I want to share a passage of Scripture with you out of the book of Proverbs because today we're going to be talking about a ministry that we are beginning today. We are commissioning our first Stephen ministers. And we're going to tell you, I want to share with you what Stephen's ministry is. And then we want to commission and pray over those brand new Stephen ministers as we begin this ministry today. But you may be asking yourself, what in the world is Stephen ministry? And I want to take a step back from that and ask the question, as a church, how do we determine what is our vision? Where are we going as a church? Is it just the ideas that we come up with in our staff? Or is it just what Pastor Bart, as our lead pastor, dictates? And we, we go, okay, that's where our vision is. And the answer is no. It's a little bit more akin to like we're in a boat. And we put up the sail not knowing where the wind is going to blow us. And we wait for the Holy Spirit. We put up the sail and we wait for where He wants to show us where to go. And so today we're going to be talking about vision and as a church how we discern what that vision is. So if you have your Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 29. We're going to look at verse 18. It's also going to be up on the screen this morning. But I want us just to read this together if we could. Proverbs 29 verse 18. So read this with me, would you? Where there is no vision. Okay, read this together with me, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I need help this morning. Okay, so where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now, here's what that verse really basically means. Where there is no vision, it's kind of like the tracks of the road or the tracks of the train. Now, one thing we did discover about Lao is that very different than our Saginaw community, there is no train anywhere in Lao. There are no train tracks. How many of you would like to share some of our train tracks from Saginaw and gladly give them to the country of Lao? Okay, we would gladly give them a few of ours, and so that may be something that we take. It's tough to pack those things, though. just want you to know. We can't necessarily do that. But what this means is where there are no tracks to run on, the people are unrestrained. Now, what's this deal with unrestrained? We did a whole message series on freedom and understanding freedom just a few months ago. So don't we want to be unrestrained? Well, this is what it's like. It's like having a football team that every person on the football team runs their own play. That doesn't work, okay? It's called the Dallas Cowboys, okay? That's what it, that's what it is, okay? It set it up too easily for that, didn't it? But where there is no vision, where there are no tracks, where there is no leadership, where there is no direction, the people are unrestrained and they just go wherever they feel like going. But happy is he who keeps the law. And see, here's the deal. This is God's roadmap for the vision of our church. This is God's roadmap for the vision of our lives. And the issue is this. Can we put up the sails of our life and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us to take Him where He wants us to go? 
So today we're going to talk about two ways that we discern vision for where God wants us to be and where He wants us to go. And we're going to have examples of how we've done this even here at EBC. The first way is what I call the Blackaby Principle. There was a great study came out many years ago, almost 25 years ago now, called Experiencing God. How many of you have gone through that study? There's several of you who have. And we're going to continue to make it available here at EBC because it is a great foundational study for understanding what is this experience and journey of, with God that I'm on. But the basic principle of experiencing God says this. We look where God is already at work and we seek to join Him in the work that He is already doing. You see, we see that all the time. As you come to, be, to become a member here at EVC, what we hope that you'll understand and see is that God is already at work here and that you begin to ask the question, where is God at work and how can I join Him in that work? We said that same thing when we looked at where we should go in the world to serve. Perry Lunsford was already working with a great group called Living Water International. And when we were looking for where we wanted to invest in as a church to go to that next step of reaching out to the world, we said God's already at work in a man that God has brought to us. Why would we not be active where God is already active? And that took us to Honduras. And the first trip that we went, we drilled a water well. And we asked a question while we were there. Where do we see God at work already in Honduras and what's the next step for us? And there was a village who desperately needed a school. And we said, okay, God is already at work in this village. He's already placed us here. He's already given us relationships. Should we continue and stay in the flow of where God is where He's already at work? We did the same thing as we went to Laos. We said... We, want to, we have a heart for Southeast Asia. EVC was already working in Southeast Asia before I got here. I was already working in Southeast Asia before I came to EVC. And when Bart and I got here together, we said, God has significantly given us a passion for this, and we should not ignore it. Where does God want us to work? We looked at our community. Where was God already at work? We have one of the largest Laotian communities in all of the United States right here in Saginaw. God is already at work there. It is a large Buddhist community. It is not a Christian community. But should we engage there? And that we would work locally and work globally with the same people group. And so we went on this vision trip. And what we discovered, God was already at work in Laos, in Pastor Irwin, in a man of peace. Luke chapter 10 talks about finding men of peace who may not be believers, but yet are open to the gospel and open to God working in them. And we found a man there who has a school, who has the, all the opportunities for us to work with. We're going to continue to talk about and to work with those. And so we're already planning for next summer in 2014 to be a great opportunity for us to go into Laos and to work both with the church and the community of Laos. The question is this, where is God at work and how can we join him in that work? That is a significant way that we see vision take place in the local church. But a second way that we're going to spend more time talking about today as we talk about this whole idea of Stephen ministry is this, a second type of vision is this, that God moves us forward to identify a need and then he invites his people to come together to meet that need. You see, a need always arises and God raises up people to meet that need. Now, we've seen this at EVC as well. In our student ministry room right upstairs, we began three and a half years ago. We had about 15 students here at EVC of our teenagers. Now we have over 65 students who come regularly on a Sunday morning. We were out of space. We were bursting at the seams and God raised up people who were skilled. Jimmy Wilder in the back today. He raised up Jimmy and he raised up Mr. Potter who does our uh, does a lot of the electricity. And he brought these men together who were skilled. There was a need that arose and God used them to meet that need. And so today we come and I want to share with you a new ministry that we begin and we initialize and we commission that begins today called Stephen Ministry. And we're going to look back at Scripture to look at the early church, the very first church in the book of Acts. What I can tell you and what I see happening in Laos today is it is an Acts chapter 1 and 2 type of ministry that God is opening up, and this is just the right time. And one of the ways that we knew that God, we were in line with where God wanted us to be was when we walked into this church. It's actually a cafe that Pastor Irwin has, 
And they have they minister to college students. And when we walked in, it had the same look. They actually used the same color scheme, and it was about the same size as the youth room that we just finished. And we walked in, and we saw the color scheme and saw everything, saw the terminology that they were using, that they were working with students. And we said, we looked at each other and just went, wow. Thousands and thousands of miles away, and God picks the one place for us to walk into that it just feels like home. That's what God is encouraging us to do. He raises up a need and he seeks to meet it. So I want us to turn this morning, if you would, to Acts chapter 6. And we're going to look at this passage of a man named Stephen. And how God raised up, there was a need that arose and God brought together people who just had the right giftings and the right abilities to meet that need at that time. Now it reads this way. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, okay, Acts chapter 1 and 2. Don't forget what happened during this time. Just 60 to 90 days after Jesus had been crucified and rose again from the dead. The early church is meeting. The church at most was about 120 disciples that had met in the upper room. And Jesus told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And the Bible says that he came upon them like tongues of fire. And then Peter preached. And on one day, over 3,000 people were added to the church. Further in Acts chapter 8, we see that 5,000 people were added to the church. And so the church is growing exponentially uh, as leaders are are raised up and this opportunity is taking place. So the church is just exploding. Don't you want to be a part of a church like that? That is just exploding, not because we're doing any gimmicky type of thing or not because we're offering hot dogs for people to accept Christ or to do any of those things, but to see that God is at work and we can't explain what He's doing and things are happening. But even in that environment, can you imagine what that had been, had been like to be a part of it? But even in that environment, problems were arising. And here's one of them. Now, in the days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, okay? Remember what uh, Sam said earlier about complaining and murmuring and those things arise, don't they? don't happen in our homes, right? Am I the only one? Okay. All right. They don't happen in our marriages, right? Uh, they don't happen in the workplace, right? Okay. The murmurings and the complaining can sometimes begin, but a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews. So there were two groups of people. The Hellenists were the Gentiles. And then there, there were the Hebrews, the Jews, that the church had kind of emerged from, and now it was going to the Gentiles. And so there's these two groups of people, but in one church. But a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected. The Greek or Hellenist widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve, the apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we, that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, good reputation, full of God's spirit and of wisdom, and we will appoint them to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Now, that's an amazement right there, right? That what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. You see, a need arose. One way of vision is to see where God is already at work and join Him in His work. And we're doing that. And another way is to see needs that arise within our congregation, within our community, within our fellowship. And people are raised up to meet those specific needs. You're seeing that take place. These two types of vision in this fellowship, you're seeing both of those take place. Right over here next door is our elementary school that we have sought to minister to. And God saw fit to raise up a group of ladies and who, those ladies now, by the way, Miss Linda, I'm speaking for you now. Miss Linda says, we can't do all this, Randy. We need the whole church behind us. And I have told her that we are behind her. Amen? Are we behind our ladies? But our ladies have met the need and have begun to minister to our teachers. And it's now time for the rest of the church to come alongside these ladies who've already stepped out in faith and they've been written 
They've been raised up for God to now use them to meet the needs of the teachers. And this next Friday, they're going to be having a lunch. And we are calling out, if you can bring a dish for that, then we need you to step up and to bring a dish so that we can feed our teachers. So it's not just our ladies over 50 who are doing that. God did that with our youth room. And today we are unveiling a new ministry here at EVC called Stephen Ministry. And it goes back to this man named Stephen who was raised up as a deacon. And a deacon actually simply means this. Sometimes we've made them out to be people who lead the, who uh, make decisions in the church or other things. But here's what a deacon was. A deacon was a servant. A deacon was a person who was raised up that God utilized to be raised up for a meeting a specific need that was taking place in the congregation or in the community. Today we want to unveil this ministry called Stephen Ministry. What in the world is Stephen ministry? And what we see in this passage is simply this. What occurred here that needs to occur here today as a part of EVC? What occurred in the first Testament, the New Testament church was a need was identified. A need was identified that it was the widows and we needed to raise up some, some men to take care of these widows. Now, the interesting thing was the, the issue was Hellenist and or Jewish and Gentile widows needs needed to be met. And they raised up men who were both Hebrew and men who were Greek. That's the reason it, it makes a special point to say that this one individual was a man from Antioch. Well, he was a Gentile. And we know that Stephen was a Jew. So to raise up, it rose up these, raised up these men so that they could then meet the needs of these ladies that were in the church. So a need was identified and people were called and gifted and commissioned and prayed over and set out to do that ministry. You see, here's what Satan knows. Satan has always attempted to thwart the ministry and growth of the church. And he's going to continue to do so. He does it in at least three ways. And we see this. One way is this. Satan first attempted to destroy the church by persecution. It didn't work then. It doesn't work today. He's attempting to do that in Laos. To destroy the church by by persecution. But it's growing by leaps and bounds. It doesn't work. Satan hadn't quite figured out that. The second way that Satan attempts to destroy the church is corruption. And this has worked much more effectively throughout the centuries. That he'll raise up uh, men and women in leadership. And sometimes too much power is centered in those individuals. And too much personality goes into the growth of those individuals. And so the church becomes based upon personality-driven ministry. And then they find that they are sinful and broken just like all the rest of us. But when they fall, then the church goes with it. Satan has discovered this is an incredibly effective method of destroying the church. Which does still work today and he still uses it so we must be wise to that and a third way that he seeks to destroy the church is through this way of distraction that he seeks to get our giftedness all mixed up and raising up so many different needs that we can't effectively utilize what god has gifted each of us individually to do because there's so many needs and sometimes the church thinks well that's the pastor's job to do that And so many needs arise that simply not all of them can be met. And I can't tell you how sad it sometimes makes me when I see people who are going through the pain of a divorce or the pain of loss of a family member through death or loss of a child or loss of a parent or maybe a job loss. In the church, we are great at the what I call intensive care of ministry, okay? That's when something happens, we rally to the need. And for two weeks, we actually do a great job. But it's what I call when the last casserole has been dropped off and everybody else's life goes back to normal But all hell is still breaking loose in your life. And matter of fact, you're just coming out of the shock. And everybody has ministered to you during the shock time frame. But you need help for the long haul. And pastors, we we do the same thing. We get focused on what's happening here. And then we get focused on, I mean, I realize, as Perry told me today, two weeks from today, we'll be on the plane to Honduras. And I go, wow, I mean, this is just all happening so fast. But... We get our eyes on something else and we keep going down and this person's still hurting and still just about to go under. We need a ministry that will help people over the long haul. In the church I was in previously, I became aware of Stephen ministry. 
Stephen Ministry was a ministry that began in 1975 with a pastor who was a Lutheran pastor in Missouri and saw this same issue approaching and was reading in Scripture and talked about Stephen and said, God, do you want to raise up a ministry like this? And now this ministry is in thousands and thousands of churches. And now it comes to EVC. Because last year at our budget meeting, just as we had just a month ago, a year ago, as we were having that budget meeting, I threw out the idea of this ministry and said, I don't know all of what it's going to take, but it's going to take a lot. But I believe by this time next year, we can be in a thriving Stephen ministry. And here we are today launching it, having trained nine Stephen ministers from September until just February 5th of this past or just a couple of weeks ago. These nine individuals every Tuesday night from 6 until 9.30 have been undergoing training. You may not have known that it was going on, but they've been giving there every Tuesday night and have been being skilled and learning and growing. And today we launch this ministry to be a ministry to those of you who are hurting, to be a ministry to those of you who simply need somebody to come alongside you for the long haul, for as long as you need it. If it's one month, if it's one year, however long you need it for every week, that they would be available to meet with you for one hour each week simply just to allow you to process through forgiveness, through the fact that sometimes your prayers go up and you feel like they bounce off the ceiling. They don't have all the answers, but they're going to be the presence of Christ in your life to walk with you for as long as you need them. This is the ministry of Stephen's ministry. Let's ask the question, what is Stephen's ministry? Here's a definition for what it is. It is simply this. Stephen ministers provide, here we go, go to that slide, there we go. Stephen's ministers provide high quality, one-on-one, confidential, Christ-centered care and support to people experiencing grief, divorce, cancer, job loss, loneliness, disability, relocation, and other life difficulties or other things that aren't mentioned up there. But as you mention, as you see those things, Some of you go, I've experienced several of those. The nine Stephen ministers that you're going to see this morning that were commissioning over just the times from September until February, we had five or six key life struggling issues that just those Stephen ministers were going through. It was as if God was preparing us to be this launch of ministry to those of us who need this type of ministry. Maybe you've gone through a uh, death of a family member of a child, or maybe you have gone through a job loss or divorce, and you just simply need somebody to walk with you, someone who's been trained, but a ministry that would be confidential. So let's just walk through these points as we see them here. First of all, it is high quality. It's high quality because I don't know of any other leader here at EVC who goes through more training than what the training of these Stephen ministers and what they do. And here's what they've committed, just so that you know what they're committing to you as the body of Christ and what they're committing most of all to their Savior is this. 50 initial hours of training that they started in September and finished in February. But now, every other week, they will meet again from 6 to 9.30 to be supervised together as they're in their caregiving relationships. And also, they'll have continually ongoing training. And they're also committing themselves to meeting one hour a week with their uh, care receiver. Um, So that is the person that they'll be ministering to. So they are committing great amounts of time and effort and skill into these relationships. So this is a high quality type of ministry. They're not counselors. They are literally people who desire to be the presence of Christ with you. That means that they'll listen to what you're feeling. See, here's the thing. As you go through loss, as you go through divorce, as you go through struggles, whatever it might be, loneliness, you may not want to talk with your immediate family members because why? Well, one, they might be involved in the situation. Number two, you may not want to burden them with what you're going through because they're experiencing their own part of that difficulty. You need someone who is outside that relationship that you can share with, that you can talk with, that you can deal with your feelings and your emotions, and sometimes just talk about things that have nothing to do with the presenting problem that you're experiencing. A friend, a confidant, someone that is there for you. So it is that. It is high-quality 
one-on-one care. What that means is it is a man to a man or a woman to a woman that you meet with that one hour a week. Now, I am thrilled, EVC, because I've never seen this happen in any other church or ministry that I have seen that brings Stephen ministry. But of the nine that were trained for EVC, four of those are men, okay? That is an unbelievable statistic for me because, guys, let's just be honest. It is hard to get us to do ministry that deals with our feelings, okay? Amen? All right, you guys understand what I'm talking about. But we had four men who stood and said, this is a ministry that I believe God is calling me to. That now we have, of all of our Stephen ministers, almost half of them are men. I can't tell you how thrilled I am about that because that is so rare. Now the question is, are there men in our congregation who will be willing to stand up and say, this is the kind of ministry I need someone to walk with me through, something that I'm going through, because these men are now ready and available. And our ladies are ready and available. So it is a one-on-one ministry that you have this person who is devoted strictly to giving Christ-centered care to you as an individual for as long as you need it. It is that. It is Christ-centered care and support. What does that mean? It means simply this, that everything that we do is based on Scripture. We're not attempting to give uh, wise advice or telling you what you need to do in your situation. We're there to lead you and to be with you and to listen to you and to share God's truth in your life. Here's what we discover. It's one of our statements of Stephen ministry, that Christ is the cure giver and we are the caregiver. We're present in the situation, but we are simply getting you to the person who has all and everything that you need. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. So it's Christ-centered care and support to people who are experiencing all of these needs. And as you look at these needs, you may have picked out something that you see. But here's the other thing that I want you to understand. This is a ministry that's now available at EVC so that every network and every person that you know, many of you know people who aren't open to the gospel, but they would be open to receiving this kind of care. They would be open to having someone walk with them through the struggle of their divorce or walk with them through the struggle of their job loss where they can't find that job or the fact that they may have lost a child 25 years ago, but they've not been able to walk with anybody through their real grief. And their grief that they're they're experiencing has led to unforgiveness in their hearts and they fight with their spouse and they don't even know why they fight with their spouse, but it's grief that they never were able to walk through from 25, 30, 50 years ago. That now this ministry is available to us. We use what we call the Stephen Ministry Compass. I just want to share that with you because it kind of points to you the kind of care that we desire. Here it is. There are four points to this compass. And in the center of that, you have the Greek letters chi and rho. This is simply an an ancient way that we would show the word of Christ. Chi and rho, the first two letters of the name of Christ. Christ is in the center of everything that we would do within Stephen ministry. And it leads us to these four characteristics. That first of all, we want to be people of compassion. We want to be people who are full of faith, just like Stephen. We want to be people who are trustworthy with all of the things that you might need to share with us. And we want to be people who are skilled. What this literally is, is expanding the ministry of being a pastor and shepherd. So that now it's not just about our pastoral staff that's available to you. That as we're going through all the things that God might have us do, that we can be focused on God's word and God's prayer for this body to lead you in vision. And now God is raising up a team of people who can be for the long haul, whatever you need them to be, because it's Christ-centered, compassionate, full of faith, skilled, and trustworthy ministry. To describe that, I want to take you to one other place in Scripture. And then we're going to introduce you to these, and we're going to pray and lay hands upon them, just like we did in the New Testament church in Acts chapter 6. If you would, turn to Mark chapter 4. Verse 1 through 5. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. It's a familiar story, but it's where four friends decided not to wait on somebody else to do something, but to step out in faith and to be what Jesus needed them to be for their paralyzed friend. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 says this. 
And when Jesus had returned to Capernaum, in some days it was reported that he was at home. And since he was at home, it meant that a crowd would gather because they had already heard what Jesus was doing in healing people and meeting their needs. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, they came bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic man lay. And when Jesus saw what? When Jesus saw whose faith? The man's faith who was paralyzed? No. When Jesus saw their faith, these four friends who stood up and said, I'm not waiting for somebody else to do this. I'm not waiting for this need to be met by someone else. I see a need. I have the abilities and skills that Christ has given me, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to meet this need. When Jesus saw their faith, when they had let down this bed, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, here's what I just want to show with you, share with you in this. I first said that these who I'm going to introduce to you in just a few minutes, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud that they didn't wait for somebody else. I was so, so amazed when nine of these stood up. At first, when we were doing our interviews and things for this last summer, it looked like our first class could be 12 to 15 folks. And actually, our our whole group was 12 because we trained three from Saginaw United Methodist Church. And our two churches are actually coming together to work this ministry together um, as as we begin this. This was already a ministry that they had in place, but it had been dormant for many years. So as I uh, brought up the opportunity that we were going to be training, they jumped in with us and we're, we're uniting together. So we're seeing churches come together. Wasn't that an awesome thing to see that happen as well? But I'm so proud of these nine because these nine were like these four men. They were, first of all, compassionate. They didn't wait on somebody else. They took a step out. They were ready to see what God wanted to do. And here's the question I have for you today is, are you going to be that compassionate? Are you going to see the people who are in your network of friends who, again, may be close to the gospel, but they're open to somebody meeting with them? As we begin this ministry, one of the greatest things is this ministry is now available to us. The question is, are we going to be receptive to bringing people in and helping them link up to the ministry that's available. It's one thing for these who have been faithful to get prepared and ready. It's now another thing for us to open the doors of the ministry and say, who wants it, right? We know that in this congregation and sitting right here of the 150 of us that are in here this morning, that there are all these needs that have been, we talked about and we put up on the screen, all of them are represented in this congregation right here today, in this group, not Not to mention the two groups, one previous and one after it. The question is, are you going to be open and willing to receive this kind of ministry in order that your life can receive healing from some of these things? But these that I'm going to introduce to you today are compassionate people, just like these four men. These that I introduce to you today are men and women who are full of faith. What did it mean for these four who carried this paralyzed man to be full of faith? You know, what it meant for them is to know that they weren't the answer. But they knew how to get this man to the one who was the answer. Jesus is the cure giver. What we offer to you as this congregation, as our congregation, as our church body, what we offer is that we are not the answer, but that we want to get you to the one who is the answer. And we want to be the presence of Jesus Christ to you. That's what we're talking about. A person just to sit with you and listen and to talk and to pray, and to share God's Word. We don't have any easy answers that say, you do one, two, three, and you're going to be healed of this. No, grief doesn't work that way. It takes time, and it takes process, and it takes talking it through your life. But we are in a culture that says, shut everybody off, hunker down, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, and keep walking the line. But that doesn't promote healing. That promotes hurt that will come out in anger, as Pastor Bart preached, to many different situations. And what we want to be is a healthy, whole, Acts 
kind of church, New Testament church. These people I present to you understand this idea of being full of faith, that they are not the answer, but they want to get you to the one who is. These people that I introduce you today are trustworthy people. What that means is there are no obstacles. They let no obstacles get in their way. One of the things I failed to mention earlier, it was up there and I just skipped over it, is that this is a confidential ministry that is so important for me to share with you. It's a confidential ministry. What you share with your Stephen minister stays between the two of you. No one else discovers this. It doesn't go on a prayer list for other people to pray about it and know what's going on in your life. It is something confidential that you share. And and every person that comes into Stephen ministry to receive care, we do an interview with. And we discover, is Stephen ministry the right fit for you? And one of the things that I'll tell you in that interview is this. This is a confidential relationship. It is a confidential ministry. There are only two things that would break that confidence. And that's if you are going to hurt yourself or hurt someone else. Those are the only breaches of confidence that we have within this ministry. Everything else stays between the two of you. Wouldn't you like to have a relationship that you could, a man with a man or a lady with a lady that you could share and know that they are trustworthy and that they are confidential? These men, these four men who brought this paralyzed man to Jesus were trustworthy men. Look at the obstacles that they overcame. The crowd was there. They could have easily said, we came, we saw It's just not available, and Jesus is not available to us, so we're going to take you back home. No, they overcame the obstacle of the crowd. They did it in a very unique way. They went to the roof. Can you imagine what it was like to be the guy who shared this idea? Hey, guys, I think that what we should do is go to the roof and cut a hole in it and lower him down. I mean, that sounds really great when we read it in Scripture, but can you imagine putting yourself there and being the one who came up with that idea and the other three turn and go, "Uh, do what? You want us to do what? I mean, they didn't have power saws or anything, so, I mean, they're up there pulling the roof apart. Can you imagine what it was like in the crowd underneath when they see a new skylight arrive in the room? These men did not allow the obstacle of the crowd, nor the obstacle of the home, nor the obstacle of the height to be anything. But they were trustworthy men who used all their skills and abilities and ideas and creativity to put to use for God's service. And these people I introduce you to you today are trustworthy people who've committed to put their time and their skill and their efforts to being used as God's servants in our lives. And the final thing is they're skilled. They're skilled. They've been working to hone those skills. They've been doing something that we call um, role play. And Mike Jacobs, I'm going to tell you right now, he's up here on the front row. Mike Jacobs hated role play in Stephen ministry, okay? As we walked through these situations, we'd come up with these scenarios. And no, they're not perfect. But we would role play these scenarios to go through them. And every time we'd come to a role play, I'd look at Mike and I'd get this look. He'd roll his eyes up. Oh, here we go again with the role play. But they have worked to hone skills. And now I can tell you they all feel feel fearful that they don't have enough skills. But here's the important thing. They know it's not them. them. It's them getting and being available and getting you to Christ. So they're trustworthy. They're skilled. They're compassionate. They're full of faith. So today we launch out in this ministry, and I want to introduce them to you. I want them to come forward today, and we're going to, not just to recognize them, but also to pray over them as we launch this. But I want you to understand this today. We can be prepared, but some of you need this right now. You just need someone that's outside your family that you can unload some of this to, that you can meet with, that you can talk with for as long as you need it. For some of you, it may be a month. For others, three months. For some, it could be a year or two years. This group is committed to walk with you through this and in the midst of that. First of all, in alphabetical order today, Pam Howell, would you come forward? Mike Jacobs. Don Carpinko. Glenda Kinchlow. Joshua Osman, Victor and Rose Rimmers, Karen Schwager, and Jennifer Weber. 
I'm going to ask these to join them if they will. This is a shock to some of them. These are people who have previously been trained. They've not committed themselves, all of them, to this ministry yet, but they've been previously trained. Perry Lunsford, Betty Streeter, and Liz Maxwell. If you guys would come up forward this morning. Uh, Betty was my first uh, because soon after I got to EVC, I told Betty about this ministry. And she said, I'm committed. I want to get it started. I said, we're probably going to have our first training class next year. She goes, I want to do it now. So uh, maybe that's not exactly the way the conversation went. <laughs> maybe it was, hey, Betty, there's a training somewhere else I could send you to. What Don't you want to go there? Uh, so it probably went a little bit more like that. But, um, but nevertheless, she got trained at another church. And so this is our Stephen ministry team. And they're ready to go. And so I have for each of them a, uh, a certificate of them completing, Mike Jacobs, but also a Bible promise book, there's Pam Howells, that they will be sharing God's Word with others through this process. Don, Glenda, Joshua, Rose, Karen, and Jennifer. Jennifer's not in this one. So this is our Stevens ministry team. And so here's what we're going to do. We've commissioned several groups. Our, our Lao team uh, going last week or two weeks ago. Next week we'll be having another group up here that we're going to pray for. That's our group going to Honduras. But this is what the church is about. It is not about us getting to know effectively the back of someone's head. It is about needs being identified in our community and in our church and, and people being raised up and trained and becoming skilled to meet that need. So this is what the church is about. That's the reason we commission. That's the reason we lay our hands on. That's the reason we pray over. That's the reason we send out. Because the ministry isn't just about what goes on here. It's about what goes on out there. It's about working with these kids in our kids' ministry. It's about working with our preschool and with our students, 60 students who are upstairs this morning. It's about ministering to a school next door. It's about ministering to our seniors over here. It's about ministering to a Lao community, both locally and globally, in Honduras. And yes, the needs are immense. But this is what God has called the church to do. This is what we're about as a church today. So I'm going to ask that every person be have someone that is praying over them this morning. So I know this is a challenge. Now it's time for you to be raised up and for you to pray over one of these. So I'm asking for some of you to come forward and pray over each one of these this morning, and then I'm going to pray for us. So get up out of your seats. And some of you come forward. And as been our tradition, I'm going to ask the rest of you, if you're not here forward this morning, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand out. Because this is New Testament ministry, is that we lay our hands. And so just by outlifting your hand, you, uh, you can pray for some of these. Now, some of you may not be comfortable doing that, and that's fine. But I want you to pray over them. Is everybody, somebody needs to be praying for Glenda right here. Is everybody else? I think everybody's there. Okay. Now, you guys who are here around them, just whisper prayers over them. You can do it audibly. It's what we call Korean style. That uh, you just pray audibly over them. For others of you, you just pray silently where you're at or out loud if you would like to. The New Testament church has come to EVC today. That's what this is about. And Father, I pray over these and I thank you for raising them up. And I thank you that we are a part of the church and the Holy Spirit's pouring out on us just like you did in the very first days of the church. Lord, a need has arise, and now you have raised up people to meet that need. And I thank you for each one of them. And I thank you for the ministry. As I look forward into the future, I thank you for the thousands of hours and opportunities that you're going to minister to people in new ways that wasn't available six months ago that now is available to this community and to this church and to this place because people were faithful and they were trustworthy and they were skilled and they were compassionate towards your people. And God, I thank you for this in these. And I pray that as they go out and they do this ministry, that you would give them everything. On the days when they're fearful, when they're fearful to make that first phone call to their care receiver, to know if they're going to accept them or reject them, or when they're fearful about that, that your spirit would speak to them and would say, this is me. I have got this. I've got your back. This is not about you. 
God, when they're worried that they don't have the words to say or the the things to help this person get through this next day, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be the one who intercedes. Father, for this congregation today, I pray for those who need this kind of ministry, that they would be willing to take a step out and say, first of all, I need this. And then when they are healed and when they are whole again, Lord, that you would use them to minister to others. With the same comfort that you comfort us with, we will comfort others, God, you say in your word. So we pray this over these today, that you would unite us and that you would set us out for the ministry that we've been called to. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. I said this in the earlier service, you know, at EVC, it doesn't just, you don't just end a prayer and be done. They all got to hug and they all got to talk. So that's good. That's what this is all about. This kind of ministry. So now it brings us simply to this. As we've seen it, as we hopefully understand it a little bit more, as we've taken, why in the world would you take a service and would you take time to talk about this kind of ministry and that it's available and that it's here? Well, the reason that we do that is simply this. It's because we want you to know that it's here. It's one thing for them to be trained. It's another thing now to make it available and say, are you willing to receive it? You do so simply by getting in contact with me and uh, or right on our website, let us know. We will do an interview with you individually. And then the next step, you'll be immediately connected. Within 48 hours, you'll be connected with a Stephen minister here at EBC. So we're so thrilled to be able to bring that to you. So we need you to think about that. Where did you see yourself today? And is this a ministry that you need? It's available. The second thing is this. Who do you know that might need this? And the third thing is, some of you are called to be a part of the next group. Some of you see this and go, that's what I want to be a part of. And I am excited to tell you that in Beginning around the uh, middle of June to July, we'll be interviewing for our next training group, which we will begin in September. It'll go from September to February, and then we will commission you just like we've commissioned these next February. So some of you, that's you. You said, I'm called to that today.